We're at the bar with Gregory at Commander's Palace, and today I'm going to make you the salt wedge. Commander's Palace, arguably New Orleans' most famous restaurant. It's been around since the 1880s. The jazz brunch was invented here, and now a new invention, the salt wedge cocktail. It's going to be uh, 1.5 ounces of Milagro Reposado tequila, 0.75 ounces of apple roll. In New Orleans, we've learned to take natural disasters in stride, or at least with a drink. We've got the hurricane, and now, the salt wedge. Give it a shake. Now we'll take the lime, put the back of it in salt, add that to the drink, and that gives you the little wedge. Gregory hands me the drink. It's orange, with a salty wedge of lime on the rim, poking fun at our latest environmental threat this thing called a saltwater wedge that caused a lot of problems earlier this year. Yeah, you. I mean, if you have one or two of these salt wedges, then uh, you're not as worried about it anymore, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Not too salty. <laughs> I'm jealous. After reporting on this saltwater wedge for the past few months, I could definitely use a drink, too. Well, it was delicious, but the reason for its invention was not so nice. It all started this summer and then just escalated. Listen to this clip. So while the river level is not unprecedented, we are very close. And with no rain forecasted in the valley, we do not predict positive outcomes for the near future. Uh, that doesn't sound good. Who's that? So that is Colonel Cullen Jones. He leads the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers' New Orleans district. This is him speaking at a press conference earlier this fall about how low the Mississippi River had gotten with this year's drought. And because of that, the salt water from the Gulf of Mexico had moved upriver, something we've seen before. But what he said next got everyone's attention. Based off the current forecast and projections, If no action is taken, we potentially could see the saltwater wedge all the way up to the French Quarter. And the thought of saltwater from the Gulf reaching the city of New Orleans really freaked people out. Oh yeah, it drew national headlines this fall. And we saw people in southeast Louisiana, people in this city, start to panic. Water levels right now are plummeting for the second year in a row. Tonight, the race to keep New Orleans drinking water safe. I happen to be one who believes in the power of prayer. I'm going to ask for people to pray for rain. Which was understandable to an extent if you know anything about where people here get their drinking water. For most communities down here on the last leg of the mighty Mississippi, the water from our taps comes from the river. And unlike Commander's Palace's delicious salt wedge, you can't just drink actual salt water. Not for long, anyway. So in September, everyone in New Orleans started becoming experts on this hydrological phenomenon called saltwater intrusion. And that got us interested, too. I'm Carlisle Calhoun. And I'm Hallie Parker. And you're listening to Sea Change. Today, we're exploring a growing threat to our fresh water supplies in coastal regions all over the country. With climate change, we're experiencing sea level rise and more frequent droughts, both of which make it easier for salt water to creep into places we don't want it. First, Hallie takes us to Plaquemines Parish. 
an area that's been dealing with the effects of saltwater intrusion on their drinking water for months. An extreme drought across the Midwest has meant a less than mighty Mississippi, which has allowed for seawater to come up the river, otherwise known as our drinking water supply down here. Hallie, take it away. It's late September, and I'm driving down to what many call the end of the world. Plaquemines Parish is long and finger-like, encompassing the last stretch of the Mississippi River before it empties into the Gulf. As you make the drive from New Orleans deeper into Plaquemines Parish, the landscape grows increasingly rural. Strip malls and big box department stores turn into small houses and farmland. Cows and citrus. Keep going and you start to see the corpses of old oak trees as the ground has grown saltier. I drive as far south as you can go while following the Mississippi River and reach Venice, Louisiana. It's vastly different from the one in Italy. Home to just marinas, oil and gas, and just a few convenience stores. Two gas stations. I walk into one of the local bars to meet its owner, Kristen Hart. I'm coming. One second. Kristen wears a lot of hats. In the front of her bar, she has a store, and she's constantly swapping between shop cashier and bartender. Her bar, Hart's Old Cypress Bar, is pretty dark when you walk in. Not only the dim lighting, but the walls are a dark wood only lit up by bright neon beer ads. It's quiet today. Just one man sits at the bar next to me, Jamie Taylor, a local charter fishing guide. I'm Hallie, by the way. How are you? JT. Both Kristen and JT work and live on the southern end of Plaquemines Parish, the area hit hardest by the salt water that has migrated north from the river's mouth. Near the end of June, the salt water rendered their water undrinkable, and it stayed that way for more than three months. It's been like a roller coaster for the last few months. Like sometimes the water's super, super salty. Sometimes it's not as bad. Sometimes it is smells like you're in a swimming pool. Sometimes we have no water pressure. It's been a mess. Around 2,000 Plaquemines Parish residents have been dealing with the same problem. Drive around the area, JT says, and you can see how neighbors have been forced to dump pricey appliances along the road. At its worst, parish leaders say the water flowing through people's pipes was 6.5 times saltier than the Environmental Protection Agency recommends. And after months, the damaging effects of the incredibly salty water running through the pipelines became more visible. If you drive up and down a road, you're going to see hot water heaters sitting by the road because people have had to replace them. I know several people, five I can name off my top of my hand in the last two weeks, where they came home and their hot water heater has busted because the salt water has corroded it and their home is flooded. A few weeks before, JT himself was confused when he opened his dishwasher and found dark red spots on his plate. So I started looking and took the top rack off. The salt water has eaten into and corroded the top rack to where rust is getting on my dishes. Local officials had arranged free water distribution from fire stations sending more than 1.5 million gallons out the door within three months. But Kristen and JT said availability has been spotty, and business owners have largely been left to fend for themselves. 
As a fishing guide, JT says he's had to warn his customers traveling south to buy water outside of the parish. Grocery stores in South Plaquemines didn't have enough. He gives clients a laundry list of disclaimers. You have to inform them that the water is not drinkable and, you know, don't make coffee. When you get ice, don't put it in your drinks. If you get to the dollar store here, everybody else down here has to have it too, so they're out. They have to get drinking water in the city. And at a bar where access to ice is critical, Kristen says it hasn't been easy. Her bar usually makes its own ice, but that ice turns salty. And when ice isn't available from the parish, she's had to pay $5 per bag that another store has shipped in from outside the parish. She says she's tried to take it in stride. Like, I'm basically used to it. Like, we're used to, like, going to see if the firehouse has ice so I can serve my customers mixed drinks without having to use it's that ice. A normal way of life. This year wasn't the first time Plaquemines Parish had fallen victim to salty drinking water, and it won't be the last. The phenomenon is known to happen about once every decade. To understand why, we go back to New Orleans to Tulane University. I'm uh, Torben Turnquist. I'm a professor of Earth and Environmental Sciences at Tulane University. Torben Tornquist, Tor for short, has studied Louisiana's coast for almost two decades. So I figured he could break down why this salt water creeps upriver from time to time. He started out by making it clear that this kind of saltwater intrusion can happen in any big river with a deep bottom. It's not unique to the Mississippi or Louisiana. Well before those rivers reach the ocean, the channel bed actually drops well below sea level quite a bit inland. So when there's not a lot of fresh water flowing down the river like this year during our extreme drought, the salt water can actually migrate landward by quite some distance. Because saltwater has a higher density than freshwater, it sneaks into that channel. And that dense saltwater slinks upstream along the bottom of the river, mixing and diluting as you move up the water column toward the water's surface. To be clear, the water still isn't nearly as salty as the ocean itself. Not enough to bother, say, fish who live in freshwater, especially the ones in Louisiana. But it is enough to become unhealthy for us humans who can't tolerate much salt in our water. It could even be dangerous if you already have health problems like high blood pressure. A high-sodium diet isn't good for our bodies, just like how we can't eat too many potato chips. Plus, it just doesn't taste good. Even though the saltwater wedge has happened before, this year's was unusual. It marked the first time that a salt wedge had appeared two years in a row. Back-to-back historic droughts had led to back-to-back years of saltwater intrusion in Plaquemines Parish. And Tor says that as our climate changes, we can start to expect the saltwater wedge to return more often. Maybe not every year, but... Chances are that it's, it's going to get worse. And he says this shouldn't come as a surprise. And in fact, the first predictions of this phenomenon were made many decades ago, 30, 40 years ago. And that is that in in much of the world, climate change will lead to bigger extremes. So on one hand, we'll have bigger floods, but we will also have bigger droughts. So we will have larger fluctuations on rivers. 
Droughts, especially the historic ones we've had lately, play the biggest role in determining how much water flows down the Mississippi River. But on the opposite end, the Gulf of Mexico could also become more forceful as sea levels continue to rise. In Louisiana, rising seas fueled by global warming combined with a sinking coastline mean the state suffers from one of the fastest rates of sea level rise in the world. Tor says it's something researchers will be interested in studying even more after this year. I'm not sure we really fully know how big of a factor it might be, but it is a concern, I think, for the future because we know that sea level is going to continue to rise. It's probably going to continue to accelerate. It's very conceivable that combined with all these other things, it's going to lead to these saltwater intrusions becoming more, more common and also that they can penetrate deeper and deeper inland. And we as humans are also making it worse for ourselves. The muddy bottom of the Mississippi River is constantly scraped and deepened by dredging. That way, big ships carrying cargo from across the world can sail upstream. The whole country's economy relies on Louisiana's shipping industry. But as Tor and even the Army Corps of Engineers itself admits, this dredging of the river makes the saltwater intrusion worse. It's a trade-off, right, between the economy and uh, freshwater supply. It's not something you can just say like, well, you know, let's just stop dredging and, and let those ships go somewhere else. That would probably have some major implications. You know, in all likelihood, this dredging is going to continue. Bottom line, he says, communities need to be prepared for this to get worse. Places like New Orleans that typically haven't been threatened received a wake-up call this year. So it might make sense that the city was left scrambling when the saltwater had the potential to threaten water plants serving hundreds of thousands of people. But the lower end of Plaquemines Parish has been affected by these saltwater wedges for decades. Yet, even they weren't ready, despite the fact that they had just been in the same position the year before. That's something Kristen and JT were frustrated about back at the bar. And I had similar questions. So I went to meet with someone who could guide me through the sparsely populated parishes, water woes, and how they came to be. And more importantly, what the parish plans to do about it. I'm back in Plaquemines Parish. Only this time, I'm in the small town of Port Sulphur, population 1,700. It's dominated by mobile homes sitting on short stilts, cement block pilings, really anything to elevate homes. How was your trip? That's good. More traffic than you. Oh, they got some traffic. Yeah. I'm here to meet with Mitch Jurisich, a multi-generational oyster harvester who officially joined the parish council earlier this year. He's traded time out on his boat for sitting in an office in the Port Sulphur government building. As someone who's known Mitch for years, it's almost a strange sight to see his suntanned face behind a desktop computer. Look at this district office councilman. <laughs> yeah, who would have a thought, huh? Last fall's election led to a huge turnover in the parish's leadership. At least half the council is new, like Mitch. And he says the new class of council members assumed a lot of problems from the start, like its water system. In South Plaquemines, you get regular boil water advisories due to low water pressure, unhealthy levels of chemicals used as disinfectant. Heck, one of the area's main water plants had been out of commission for almost a year and a half before finally 
steps were taken to fix it this year. When we took office in January, we inherited a broke water plant. So in June, when the salt water from the Gulf of Mexico reached the only operating water plant serving this far south, the parish was in real trouble. But after months without clean water, things started to look up. The broken plant was finally fixed, boosting the parish's water supply. Huge ships with fresh water also helped. Plus, the parish rented big round water filters called reverse osmosis machines that can separate salt from water. The week I spoke with Mitch, it was the end of September. The water in some people's homes had just begun to run fresh, and people were pretty excited about it. I had an an elderly gentleman call me. He said, hey, my shower felt like I was sitting under my old Tom's sister. And he said, I didn't taste no salt. That's the cleanest shower I've had. The health advisory was fully lifted near the end of October, though the salt water has yet to fully retreat back to the Gulf of Mexico. And one of the parish's three water plants remains closed. Though the saltwater wedge had affected Plaquemines in the past, Mitch said this year was worse. The salt infiltrated north earlier and has stuck around longer than before. Even still, he said residents didn't need to suffer for so long. The parish, he says, wasn't prepared, even though the issue has happened regularly in the past. You know, this is definitely dealing with Mother Nature, but it's also failed upon the parish because we didn't have our water systems up and ready to go. But he says the parish is working to be ready next time. They've crafted a master plan for overhauling the region's water infrastructure, meaning building a new water plant, upgrading how much water can be pumped at one time, big changes that will make the parish's water system more reliable for years to come. Despite the threat of worsening hurricanes, land loss, and rising seas, all on top of saltwater intrusion, Mitch says that most of the people left near the southern tip of Plaquemines Parish aren't going anywhere. The citizens aren't going to leave the lower end of the parish. You know, we're staying here. We're here to stay till, till it's gone, the land's gone or whatever. So we have to provide the citizens with what they need. And quality water right now is the number one resource. The number one resource not just for the people, but for new business. Even as the land around Plaquemines continues to shrink, Mitch says they're preparing for a boom. A giant gas export terminal is under construction, and he said more industry is on the way. With the new development, something rare has happened in struggling Plaquemines. We're already going to be looking at a surplus, you know, of monies this year, which is... How often is that happening? Not very often. (laughs) So over the next 10 years, the parish leadership wants to build up Plaquemines so it can last. And drinking water comes first. You don't realize how important water is until it's gone. I could do without power. It's hard to do without water. This problem of salt water intruding on drinking water isn't a new one. Even outside of Louisiana, over on the West Coast, California communities are constantly battling against salty seawater infiltrating their underground aquifers. We see that in Florida and places in the Northeast, too. But with rising seas, researchers say more coastal communities across the country should start to prepare. If you haven't started, you're already behind schedule. Rune Storsund is a civil engineer and consultant, but his biggest passion? Helping communities build smart, reliable infrastructure that properly accounts for and manages risk. Rune said if communities don't start to prepare, 
they could find themselves in the same situation as New Orleans this year, scrambling for a solution while the crisis bears down. New Orleans had a chance 30 years ago when it had its first brush with a saltwater wedge. But when the threat dissipated, so did the will to make changes. In many instances, there isn't that longer-term perspective. Far too frequently, what I see is that it's solely a focus on initial cost. He says it's the job of water utilities to take a forward-looking approach, to be proactive. To look 50 years off into the future, or 100 years into the future. Wait too long, and the infrastructure a community needs might not be ready when the salt water comes knocking. As we all know, these projects take a long time between planning, design, and construction. It doesn't happen in years. It happens on the order of decades. Which is what we see in Plaquemines. The big updates that Mitch, the council member, talked about won't be able to help them through the current crisis. But the hope is they'll be in place before the next time. Back in the bar in Venice, JT and Kristen talk about the future of the parish. This time, it took the threat of saltwater reaching New Orleans for their region to finally get the attention it needed. We're neglected. I mean, bar none. It's just that simple. I ask if they think that neglect contributed to this crisis. I think that probably so. Wouldn't you agree? Well, you can't avoid the saltwater intrusion. That's Mother Nature. Right, but you should you can What you can avoid is the response to the intrusion. Right. I tell them about my conversation with Mitch and the parish's big plans to fix the water system. JT is skeptical. They've had problems for so long, he doesn't trust that the parish will actually take care of the problem. Because I've seen it for three decades, continuously get worse, continuously have more problems. Kristen is more optimistic. She says she has high hopes that people like Mitch will improve the quality of life for those living so far south. She has to have hope because she doesn't plan to live anywhere else. I have a life sentence down here. This is my business, well, my father's business, but it will be mine. So, of course, I'm praying that they're going to do something so we can keep running. Things had already started to look up for Kristen. At her house, the tap water had begun to freshen up. It didn't taste like salt when I brushed my teeth. The days of bottled water are coming to a close, hopefully for good. Thanks for listening to Sea Change. This episode was hosted by me, Carlisle Calhoun, and Hallie Parker. Hallie and WFAE environment reporter David Borak reported this episode. Maddie Zampanti is our sound designer. I'm the managing producer. Sea Change is a WWNO and WRKF production. We're a part of the NPR Podcast Network and distributed by PRX. To help others find our podcast, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Sea Change is made possible with major support from the Gulf Research Program of the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. WWNO's Coastal Desk is supported by the Walton Family Foundation, the Moreau Foundation, and the Greater New Orleans Foundation. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.
Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Greater New Orleans Foundation.